Bible makes a very a good case that two key principles that should shape the way we do church is based on number one, gospel-centered word church. It's about the word. It's about God said in the beginning and he's still saying, he said through the New Testament and he's still saying now through the rhema, he's still speaking to us, the logos and the rhema and it's what we build church on and if you don't build your life on that, you're going to struggle. You're going to find yourself sandbanked somewhere and uh, you know, you, you just got to understand that. You need the word. You've got to get yourself into that Bible, find a way into it, latch onto it, subscribe to it and log on and whoo, bang. You're going to get blessed for the rest of your day. Now, the Word has a mission. That's the gospel. The Word's got to go out. That's what we do. The Word goes out to the nations, goes out to our community, goes out to the schools, the marketplace, and that's all the stuff in vision builders because the God has mandated us to go with the gospel. There's the go of the gospel. Say go of the gospel. There's a go to that, not just sit. It's not the sit of the gospel. It's the go. Amen. Now, once you understand that your church is built upon the word, that it has a mission, then you've got to understand the second facet is community. It's community-centered, sharing our lives, truth applied and lived out. This is a huge challenge, and I'll be honest with you. It's a challenge to me because I'm a loner. Not when I... Not, not when I have to perform, meaning that when I go out, do a party or network and fraternize with people and business people and pastors and stuff, I will come out of my shell. But basically, my natural self is a bit of a loner. I'd rather be by myself, thank you very much. Is that okay to say? That didn't hurt anyone, did it? But, but in, 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 that's, that's the work of God that God did on me. That he took a loner, an introvert, and he, and he supernaturally blessed him in the Holy Ghost and said, now I want you to go public with your faith. I'm not a public person, Lord. You don't understand. I don't do public. Julie's the public one. She sings and dances and then she'll preach to you and then it's great, you know. I don't do that. I'm the pram pusher. No, I want you to go public. So, And I want you to do community too. But I'm alone, Lord. No, I want you to do community. I want you to love people, communicate with them. I want you to share your heart with them. I want you to let them disciple you. And I want you to mentor others. Do you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, the, that's the struggle in an individualistic society, in a pluralistic society, where we don't want to connect as a community. We just want to sit around in our homes, just amongst our family, and do TV. And look, if we have to work with someone, yeah, okay, I can do that. And if I have to play sport with someone, okay, do that. Church, why would I want to do that? I mean, who wants to do that? And so that, that's, that's a culture shock. That's a culture gap. That's a generation gap, a, a gap that we have that we've we got to work with. And that's probably one of the huge struggles that people have when they commit to the church is becoming community. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Because there's still a lot of people who just want to come and just... Just sit there and watch the show and sneak in, sneak out and don't really want to connect and even talk to us. They're not interested in that. They just want to hear God and that's okay. We can handle that. Another statement. So two facets. Again, the church is built upon the word, the gospel and the mission of the word. The second huge facet that I want to talk about this morning 
uh, is about the community, community. It's about that. It's about working with each other, loving each other, encouraging each other and being in this real community. And I believe the Bible is very explicit in saying our definition is in the community, not as a loner, that God shapes us in community. He doesn't shape us at home by ourselves in isolation. God shapes us in the context of other people around us that rub us up the wrong way, that we like, don't like, and that we need to work with as a team to do the gospel and to do church. That's how God shapes us. God does not shape you in isolation. That is a fallacy and that is a lie from the pit of hell. Is that okay to say? Uh, Statement. In fact, our identity as Christians is defined by the gospel and community. Next. We need to be enthusiastic about truth and mission and we need to be enthusiastic about relationships and community. Do you know what I'm saying? We need to be enthusiastic about that. The world would say that you are significant and defined by your quirkiness, by your, your, your character trait. And some people might say, who am I? And when they find that quirkiness and find that particular personality trait and they go, look at me, look, how, look at the uniqueness on me. No, in the scheme of God's world, in the scheme of things, your uniqueness and your significance is in the community of church, the community of God's family. That's where you're unique and that's where your role is played out and that's where you're unique. That's where... Who am I? What am I? It's not in your quirkiness of, of finding some particular character trait in that. It's really, and we could really make a case of that too. So the English word for church says a building, uh, a denomination, a group of Christians. But the Greek word, however, translate church, uh, church, uh, translate church in the Bible as a group of people called together for a specific purpose. See, there you go. You get into your vision builders. You get into worship. What are we here for? Help me. Why did I come to church? To worship. One of the key things is to worship God. God instituted this house to worship Him. And then there's a workload. There's a business end of church. And that's vision. That's the mission. That's the co-mission. To go and to do and to push out. Is that right? So, again, the Greek translation for church is not building It's not denomination. It's a people called out together for a specific purpose. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they offered the various names that the crowds were using. And when he asked the disciples for their answer, Simon Peter answered, Matthew 16, 18, Peter answered that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. Who believes that? Jesus then replied, I tell you, in Matthew 16, 18, I tell you that you are Peter. Uh, I tell you that you are Peter, that's right. And on this rock, meaning on this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It's said that when a church, but when a person has a radical revelation of Jesus Christ, that that's when his purpose and definition is realised. When he has an aggressive, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, I mean imagine some of you, say, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're, you're Jeremiah, some say you're, you're John the Baptist. But Peter just comes out and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And, he, and Jesus says, on that passion, on that radical revelation, on that forceful revelation, I'm going to build my church. Fantastic. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, I think he's the Lord. And I can't build anything on that. Uh, who do you say he is? Who do you, who do you say? Oh, I think he's just a good man. No, can't build on that. Uh, who do you say he is? Oh, I think he's just a great... T- can't, build, no, can't build on that. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Alpha and the Omega, first and the last. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And on that, if we could have that passion of revelation within the church, it's then we're impassioned to do vision. You're not impassioned to do vision and vision builders if you don't have a radical revelation of Jesus Christ is Lord and the spirit of mammon is not. He is Lord. He can have the whole lot. Forget the tithe in the New Testament. It's everything. It's everything. He owns everything. Wow. Okay, okay. I'm getting carried away. When the church jointly owns the revelation of Christ as Lord over their corporate activities as a community, it affects the vision tremendously. I think we can say amen. The word says when his church is built on the rock of revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord, that church is known in the heavenlies. Ephesians 3.10. I I believe our Crossroads Church was very much like that. If you're part of the Crossroads Church, definitely this scripture was applicable to those days. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known by the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And look, this church is known by that too. The work that we do and, and the stuff that we were able to do through great people of this house, I definitely know that the, that the spirit realm knows that this church is here. Amen? The good guys and the bad guys. They say the acid test of a real church... They talk about, um, I know Mark Sondercock preaches this at one point in his travels. We're told that Abraham pitched his tent midway between two points. Genesis 12, 8, we won't go there. There was Bethel in the west and Er in the east. Bethel means the house of God. Er signifies a heap of stones. So understand this, Abraham built an altar and that was a place he camped around. It was Bethel, it's a house of God. This place is just a, a heap of stones, just, just loose gathered stones and That's it. No matter where Abraham went on his journey, he would return to that point where he had first built an altar to the Lord. You can find that in Genesis 13, 3 to 4. Please write notes down as I go here. The air church we're talking about, this church is the difference of a church that is just a meeting place with people having very little interaction between members on a friendship or function level outside the meeting. Deeper levels of relationship within a discipling context would be unlikely in such churches. So it's a loose gathering of stones. The Bethel Church, on the other hand, recognizes that the kingdom of God is primarily relational, not simply functional. They have realized that the Lord wants to be involved in their lives through their friendships and fellowships of other believers. So that's how God gets to you. Through the other believers, then to you. But people want to be shaped and defined and blessed in isolation, sorry, it won't work. It happens in the context of other people. 
I know this to be true. I've experienced it. It's so true. God has done so much work on me in the context of discomforting situations even where actually God has got to me through other people. Can you understand that? I'm telling you, some of the things I've been through, so embarrassing. But God got to me and he did a good work on me. They have realized that the Lord wants to be involved in their lives through the friendship and fellowship of other believers. The New Testament breeds commitment. Each of us is a living stone whom God is shaping to fit alongside someone else in the house of the Lord. Together in our friendships, we become a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. The Lord is not shaping us in isolation from one another. How we allow ourselves to be fitted together is the acid test of how much God can trust us with his power and his anointing. It's powerful stuff. There are three levels of relationships that each of us must aspire in order to be totally fulfilled in the life of the church. Let's look at them quickly. The first one, if you look at the brick wall and you have a look at the middle of the brick wall, there's, let's look at one brick. Let's look at one brick. Brick wall analogy. Brick wall, one brick in the middle. And we're talking about living stones. We're talking about you being built together to be a holy temple. I'll, I'll get the scripture in a moment. But if you look at that, brick just for a moment you can see that it draws its support that one brick we're looking at from other sources that meaning we're accountable that we're accountable we all need accountability relationships in the church friendships in which we are supported and helped by others confession sharing open and honest relationships mutual benefit development of character gifting and ministry we all need people we can depend upon to uphold, strengthen our morality and champion our calling and destiny. The second thing, the second facet is this, partnerships. The brick is alongside others. You see people this way and that way. So these are the bricks on the same line as you. They have a calling the same as you, maybe the same anointing, maybe the same passion and commitment. You see these people this way. And that's what we talk about, partnerships. They're the people you partner with. We have teams in this church that do this. We have teams, we have ministries, we have people that have partnered with each other and they're beside, and, and they have a mutual benefit. Uh, let's get this, let's get this. We develop a team culture across the church. We need working, functional relationships that carry a strong friendship base. When we know the people whom we will specifically labor with, we must build um, a solid friendship that can take the pressure of warfare, tension and action. So again, these people like that are the people that are in the, in the trenches with you. They're the people that can pray with you. They're the people that you can partner with and say, hey, we, uh, you know, I need you to just pray with me and just to help me along and to do what I've got to do. Thirdly, the other part of this functional relationship is discipling. That means that would be the people above you that you're lifting up, that you're discipling. That's what the connect groups are about. That's what our groups are about. We're actually lifting these people up. And here it is. The brick is situated underneath others, providing a base support. This, brings, this speaks of the discipling relationship that all key ministries and faithful people must develop in order to build church and reach the lost. Making disciples is a, much, is a major part of our warfare against the enemy and our zeal to fulfill the Great Commission. That's exactly what's happening through through this church, through the connect groups, but through the SGU. Man, it's phenomenal. Each of us needs to think of people around us whom we are con consciously shaping and developing discipleship 
So that's, that's great, isn't it? Accountability, partnership and discipling. They're three functional relationship duties that we have in the life of the church. Man, if you're doing that, you are doing extremely well. The threefold aspect of friendship is our model in relationship for producing the house of the Lord and the body of Christ. Second statement, developing our relationships in these key areas will ensure that not only our own lives but also those of the people around us will be cultivated by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ephesians 2.19, just a couple of scriptures just to help you with those thoughts. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but you're no longer um, isolated. You're no longer not belonging to the family of God. When you were saved, you, listen here, when you, when you were saved, you joined the family of God, whether you liked it or not. When, when you were saved, I'll say it again, you, you, you didn't stay in your individual life. You actually joined a family. That's, that's it right there. You joined a family that you find the reality of in your local family called church. That is a God purpose. That's, if you look at the five purposes of the purpose-driven life, Rick Warren, um, the New York best-selling book about the five purposes of life, one of the major purposes is that you are family, that you need to belong to a spiritual family. Wow. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises up to become a holy temple in the Lord. See how he's trying to build us together? And in him, you two are being built together, built together, built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 2.4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Can you see that? And then Paul also talks about the body, not just a building, but we are a body, parts of the body, and that Jesus is the head, and that we're supposed to walk this church out and bless people with our, with our hands and walk it out and travel the gospel out with the, the, the unity of our body and do great stuff for God. Do you know what I'm saying? Ephesians 4.15, instead speaking the truth in love. One of the key things to build a church like this version here is to build it in love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Instead speaking the truth in love, we will all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'll just throw these a couple of scriptures in, but I want to preach about them later at some time, that why community, and, and Paul talks about this fact about in Titus 2.14, and it gets back to the original intention of God when God said, uh, I think he did say in Exodus 6.7, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. It says that in Exodus 6.7 and Revelations 21 verse 3. But Paul makes a, a real good um, case here, not a case, but just simple, uh, a simple fact that, that he's believing for the church. Titus 2.14 alludes to this. 
who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people, a church that are his very own, eager to do what is good. John Stott says, by the way, he just died three weeks ago. He's an absolute theological legend. He was a theologian and, and he just died three weeks ago. And he, he's just an English you know, historian, but the theologian, I'm, I'm saying. John Stott says, The church lies at the very centre of the eternal purposes of God. It is not a divine afterthought. It is not a, an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. For his purpose conceived in a past eternity, being worked out in history and to be perfected in a future eternity is not just to save isolated individuals and to perpetuate our loneliness, but rather to build his church, that is to call out of the world a people for his own glory. We're called out right now and we're giving him glory because we've come together as community, as church. I love this statement. If the church is the body of Christ, then we should not live as disembodied Christians. I've got to preach this sometime later, but let's have a look at this word koinonia. I think that will do it for us. And there's a couple of scriptures in there that we need to work through just to give you an understanding that what community, what church, but what fellowship really means. And um, fellowship now is really an anemic word compared to what it's supposed to be, but it's supposed to be like this. It really is supposed to be like this. This is why it really is hard to, to get people across the line to join with your church, to join with your family on these levels. These are big challenges for anyone, especially when we're just doing life in this individualistic life, uh, this society that we live in. This is huge to ask anyone uh, to do this stuff, but uh, it's possible, and I think there's a, uh, there's a bunch of us living like this. So the New Testament word for community is koinonia. Say koinonia. Translated, yeah, by the word fellowship. It actually means fellowship. Koinonia, koinonia is linked to the words common, sharing, participation. Common, sharing, participation. That we have things in common. That we are sharing. That we are partnering. See, see, there's a, there's a lot of buy-in there, right there. There's a lot of buy-in. When, when Libby buys a cafe, we're praying for her that that business will succeed. It's not Libby, oh, she, yeah, we know Libby, she bought a cafe, so what? No, Libby of C3 Tugra, because she's in our family, in our community, she bought a cafe, we're going to pray. I've been praying every day that, Lord, you would bless it. And it's prospering, man, it's going off the Richter scale. Imagine if we did that for everyone. Imagine if we did that for everyone in the house. The, the McManus is there struggling with, with, uh, with this and that. Let, let's pray for them, guys. Let's pray for right sleep patterns. Is that okay to say in, in, in one of your children? Imagine if we could agree and have this in common that, that we, we could actually buy into this community thing and, 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 and partner with each other and, and, and pray for each other. What about Peter at the back there? Let's pray. He lost his wife a, a, a year ago. Uh, are we caring about that? Do we feel about that? Oh, I do. I mean, he's struggling. It's probably his anniversary of, of the time it happened. I don't know. But we're, we're, we're praying for you, buddy. We're, we're, we're with you, man. You know, church is not a place where we sit there and spectate. It's a buy-in of community. It's a buy-in of community. Andrew Flaxman, we're praying for him. I mean, as if he's not blessed enough, but we, we do pray for him. 
Gail has some good news that she'll go public with, I'm sure, about um, some good stuff that was on the brink of real destruction and um, probably, you know, probably the most valuable thing in your life almost. And that was on the brink of being destroyed. But we prayed and I know numerous other people prayed and we, we, we partnered with your struggle and, and we were hurting just like you were hurting and we prayed and we saw the breakthrough. That's church. That's church. And guess what? Breakthrough. Breakthrough. So help me, Pastor Phil, where does it say this in the Bible? Sharing, participation, having things in common. We, you know, we have a vision builders. We have vision. We have that, we, that should be in common with us. We should be praying and committed to that. Let's have a look at this. Um, we are the community. How are we the community? We are the community of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians. Let's fly through these, Tim, and that'll do us because my time has gone. But, Father, we thank you for your word that will just bless us right now. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Uh, so, with the community of the Holy Spirit, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship, the community, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be within you all. So when we come, it's the Holy Spirit. The kids out there now are in the Holy Spirit presence. We're in the Holy Spirit presence. We're a community of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're here. Thank you. Let's give him some honor. Let's acknowledge him. Holy Spirit, we just say thank you right now. We, we welcome you. We've got the cafe ready for you at the end of the sermon. Yeah, we'll sit down and have a talk to you later. We could really get into that, the community of the Holy Spirit. We're a community in the Son, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, in the Son of God. God, who has called you into fellowship, into fellowship, into community with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord is faithful. God, who has called you into fellowship, into church with His Son, Jesus Christ. That's how we're the community. Sharing our lives, um, Thessalonians 2, 8. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Julie and I, man, that's what God proposed to me. He said, Pastor, he said, Pastor Phil, sure. He said, Phil, I want you to share your life. <laughs> yes, Lord, what do you require? A word in season? No. <laughs> now, that, that was one of the huge challenges for me to, to buy into this whole thing. Phil, I want you to share I want you to share your life. I don't want to share my life. I'm private. I like to live life a little bit circumspect and just give myself and have the friends I want to have. No, I want you to share your life. I want you to go to public. I want you to float your shares of your friendship on the market. I want, I want people to be able to buy shares into your life. You want me to go public? You want, you want me to float shares of my life? And you, you want people to be able to understand me, know me and get personal with me. Yes, I do. That's what church is about too. You know what I'm saying? We love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. You are absolutely dear to us. Sharing in the gospel. Sharing in the, it's a community of sharing in the gospel. Philippians 1.5 Because of your partnership in the gospel. Basically, the giving message this morning was about that. It was about partnership. Are you this side of the line or are you that side of the line? 
If, you, if you're serving the devil, if you're serving the spirit of the age, and if you're fear of, of not being able to really commit to God and commit your, your time, talent, treasure to the Lord, be careful of that because that's idolatry. But we're here to share the gospel. Uh, Philemon 5, uh, 6, 1, 6, is it? 1, 6. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Love this stuff. And of course, I have to mention this. It's a community of sharing Christ's suffering and glory. 2 Corinthians 1, 6, 1, 6. If we are distressed, it is for your, for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our discomfort, in our comfort. So there's, there's a lot, again, we're asking you to buy in to some suffering, some persecution, some hard yards, trials, tribulations. We're asking you to buy into some struggles of us trying to keep this facility open. We're asking you to buy into you know, praying for people's health, and, but also for you to spend yourself on behalf of the Lord, to spend your time and to serve. You know, we're asking you to suffer and to die to your own will, but pick up your cross and follow Christ into serving the local church and serving God. Is that right? Let's give the Lord a hand right there. I'm nearly finished. I just have to get this across line by line. Uh, another, an, another good example was the collection of money by the Gentile churches for the poverty-stricken church in Jerusalem as an act of koinonia. Romans 15:26. we won't go there. 2 Corinthians 9:13. Our community life is celebrated and reinforced in communion when we participate koinonia together in the body and the blood of Christ because the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body for we all partake of one loaf, meaning that we are one family. One salvation, one church. Oh boy, I love it. Writing Thessalonians, Paul says, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we all, or that we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? I'll say it again. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. Is it not you, meaning the church, 1 Thessalonians 2.19, the church at Thessalonica is Paul's investment in the future. His future is bound up with them and their progress in faith. He will boast on the final day, not on what he has done, but what they have done. That means the church. He has staked his reputation before God on them. He goes on, he goes on from... Now we really live since we are standing firm in the Lord. Thessalonians uh, 1.3.8 The NIV has added the word really, which really means, and now we live. It's all about getting, getting down to that basic fact. And Romans 12.5 says, So in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Father, you're, com- you're challenging us to be your, com- your community. You're challenging us to partner with each other, to have things in common, to share things with each other. You're challenging us to be a community, Lord God. The- this is hard. This is, this is not easy, God. And-, and Lord, I know 
that, Lord, we are challenged when we need to make decisions that represent what we can give you and what we can do for you in word but in deed. Lord, we just don't want to say you are the Lord, you are the risen Lord. We want, to, we want to have a manifestation through what we do and what we, what we walk out. Not what, just what we say, but what we walk out. So Jesus, I'm praying that this church would not be just all talk, but it would have the walk along with the talk of being a church of the gospel of the word, but a church of the community of God. So, Father, forgive us, Lord God, if we've grieved you in any sense that we've been a loose gathering of stones. But we want to be a living stones built together as a holy temple, giving sacrifices unto God. We want to be partnering with each other in our sufferings, in our trials, in our troubles and trials. And, Lord, we want to partner with each other, pray for each other and pray, Lord, in the good times and the bad times. We want to see each one of us blessed and more blessed. And, and I just pray, God, that we would be your body that we wouldn't be just fragmented and isolated and amputated parts, but we would be your body brought together as you as the head and we will have our supply from you as we pull together as a body. And Lord, we will punch way beyond our weight because we have your Holy Spirit. We have your anointing. We have your power. Jesus, I know. You said, little flock, do not be afraid, for I am very keen to give you the kingdom of God. C3 Church, let's be united. Let's be strong together. Let's do community. Let's partner with each other. Let's base our life on the word and let's live this out.